Now we're looking at the Ten Commandments on Sunday afternoon, so if you have a Bible, have to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. I was, somebody was asking me this week, what are you preaching on on Sunday? I might come. So I said, I'm, te- I'm preaching on Obey Your Father and Mother, and then they said they had to get their nails done. So, uh, um, But um, it, we come to the commandment on honour your father and mother. And if you could take a copy of the Bible, we're in Exodus 20, and what we will do is we'll, we'll read the whole of the Exodus 21 to 17, but then focus each week on a different commandment. We've, so far, we've looked at the first four commandments. Uh, we looked at the Sabbath commandment last Lord's Day, which now brings us to the fifth commandment and the beginning of what is often called the second table of the law. Because the first four, the first four commandments deal with our love to God, uh, the honour and the reverence that we owe to God. And the remaining six are the way that we love our neighbours as ourselves. So if you like, you know, that's, that's, that's one way of looking at the commandments. The first four are how we honour God and then these are how we love our neighbours. So in everything, all of life, of course, is worship to God. But as I said, we've come to the fifth commandment, which is honour your father and your mother. But before we read it, going to bow our heads together and pray. O God and Father, would you open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. For Jesus' sake, amen. Acts 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the, ch- on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour, you shall not covet your neighbour's house, you shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbour's. We thank the Lord that he's spoken to us in the reading of his holy and inerrant word. Well, the fifth commandment, Exodus 20 and verse 12, is without doubt a word, a tract for our times. And its message speaks with sharp clarity and holy urgency to the context with which we live in contemporary Britain. 
It's immediate focus, so it's much wider. Its immediate focus is on the family, its dynamics, its health, its essence, its essential structure and importance. So it presupposes as normative the union of one man with one woman in the bonds of marriage. And in that context, they will, should God bless them with children, raise a family in stability and respect. That presupposes that understanding, that this, this is the God-ordained plan for human flourishing, which is outlined in the fifth commandment, but that is not the world in which we live today. Family life in our world and in our day is much more complicated and less reflective of the biblical norm than it ever has been. So the fifth commandment is a tract for our time, and we badly need to hear its message so let's look at it together. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. I just want to offer three ways of looking at this, three metaphors, three images that help us understand the scope and the meaning and the use of the fifth commandment. Number one, it is a bridge commandment. Secondly, it is a blanket commandment. And thirdly, it is a beacon commandment. I don't, I honestly don't try to do that, but they're all B's, if you notice, so bridge, blanket, and beacon, but I say that every time, so I'm beginning to, but anyway, the fifth commandment is a bridge, it is a blanket, and it is a beacon. So first of all, it is a bridge commandment, so what do I mean by that? And I mean that it's simply the fifth commandment linked to the two tables of the law. It, it's the perfect bridge between the first four commandments which call us to honour God with our hearts and our eyes, our tongues and our time. If you, if you think of it like that, the first four commandments call us to honour God with our hearts, with our eyes, with our tongues and our time. That is the essence of commandments one to four, that we're to honour God in every way. But this commandment serves by bridging those commands with the remaining six, calling us to love our neighbours sacrificially and well in a manner that will please the Lord our God. And there is a sense, as I just said at the opening, that the fifth commandment is the first commandment of that second table. It clearly belongs to the category of loving our neighbours. Yet, there is also this sense that the fifth commandment stands as the bridge, the connector between commandments one to four. By the way we honour God and commandments five to six in the way that we love our neighbours. Notice, for example, the word with which the fifth commandment begins. Honour your father and mother. That word honour is kabod in the original Hebrew. And that word kabod is often translated glory, especially when used of God. It is the same Hebrew word. It seems means something like weightiness or gravity. I did a study on kabod once, and it's a wonderful worship word. It's one of the great worship words of the Bible. Another word I love is hesed, which is long-suffering, sacrificial love. But kabod is glory and honor, and it means weightiness or gravity. Deuteronomy 28, 58 uses the word to speak of 
that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. And in Psalm 22, verse 23, you who fear the Lord, praise him, all you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. There's that word, kavod. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. Isaiah 24, verse 15, calls the world to worship using this word. It says, therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord, which is kabod in the coastlands of the sea. Give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So this word, kabod, honor, means glory. And that connection between the first four commandments, loving God, honoring God, and the remaining six, honoring neighbor, is made especially clear in Malachi 1, verse 6, where God, through the prophet, uses the category and language of the fifth commandment, and he applies it to the way we treat God himself. Just listen to the echoes of the fifth commandment in Malachi 1, verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Do you see what the point I'm trying to get at, which is the honor that the fifth commandment requires a son to give his father is similar to the honor we all owe to God. There is a link, do you see, between the first four commandments and the fifth commandment. And the fifth commandment is designed to echo this big idea at the heart of commandments one to four and then to apply it to the relationship of parents and children. God is to be honored as a father. And in a similar way, we are to honor our own parents with an honor and reverence and a love that is the mirror image. Now, now I believe that our society in, Western, in, Western, in the Western world has largely, this is, this, 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 this is very foreign to the way we live. But there are still cultures where parents are honored in a way that our culture does not honor parents. You know, for example, it would be unheard of in some cultures that parents would be expected to fend for themselves when they get older. They would just live with the family. So there's a word for you all. Go home and build a granny room for your parents. But, that, but, but, but that's essentially what it is. You know, so, so, so some cultures look at this and say, they don't have such an issue with it that, as our culture does. God is to be honored as a father and we are to honor our parents with an honor and a reverence and a love that is the mirror image. The love and reverence that is to mark our family relationships should echo the reverence of our relationship with God himself. We learn, we are imperfect, we clearly are but we learn a lot about God's love in the way that we are together as family. And we've been reminded that piety and practice, the way we live, the way we worship are profoundly bound together. The way we live and the way we worship fit together intimately. Which means there is no way to honor God if you dishonor your parents. There's no way to honor God while dishonoring your family. What applies in our vertical relationships is to apply to our horizontal relationships as well. What, 
put it another way, the family and the way that the children honor the parents is designed by God to reflect the honor that God himself receives in our lives. You may even go as far to say that the way that children honor parents and the dynamics of relationships within the family is a good barometer of the place that the Lord holds in the hearts of the members of that household. When there's a deep rupture in the relationship between parents and children, it should not surprise us if we see a growing spiritual gulf in the lives of parents and children alike, where the Lord God Almighty is not held in the honour he is due. We could say the opposite as well and find great comfort here in the fifth commandment, not just warning and rebuke. When God is honoured, when we put God first, when we pursue his praise, when Jesus is the pearl of greatest price, more precious than anything else, when our deepest desire is the gospel, where our great desire and our constant aspiration is to honour God, to live for the smile and the well done, good and faithful servant of our heavenly master. When God is honoured, we will find that dishonour and spite and anger and unkindness and the festering resentments that too often creep into life begin to shrivel and die. In an environment where Jesus Christ is cherished and loved and honoured and revered, that is a hostile environment. That's a foreign environment to disrespect and lovelessness in the home. So the home where God in Christ by the Spirit is given honour and glory will be a home that is marked and characterised by honour among parents and children. So first of all, this is a bridge commandment. It is a commandment that bridges the honour that God deserves and the way that we treat one another in home and society. So secondly, that brings me to the second point. This is a blanket commandment and... Um, I'm not, I wasn't about to produce fluffy blankets for people to sit with, but it's a blanket commandment in that it covers a whole range of human relationships. It clearly speaks, this commandment clearly speaks to the relationship between parents and children. What we would be doing is a disservice and we would be missing the point if we fail to apply it to all of our relationships in life. Colossians 3 verse 20 says, Children... Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. That's a life verse that you should print out and give to your children. Um, Ephesians 6 verse 1, Children, obey your parents, for that is right. There we go again. And then Paul in Ephesians 6 verse 2 quotes the fifth commandment. And you know, just hang on for me. Here it, here it comes. Here comes the great exposition. To put it bluntly, God wants children to do what they're told. That's a novel idea. <laughs> That's what it says. I can't, I can't exegete it any other way. I can't sort of loosen it up here or just oh, there's a maybe here. No. Obey your children in the, in, in the Lord. And then there isn't, I'm afraid, a list of qualifications and caveats. But that little phrase, in the Lord, is clearly important. It means that if we are uh, commanded to sin... We must disobey. But we also know, do we not, that our parents have our best interests at heart for the most part. What they ask us to do 
is what God wants us to do, and so it is part of the our duty in the Lord. It is, part, it is part of our responsibility as followers of Jesus to reverence and respect them, to honour them and to obey them quickly, cheerfully and respectfully. Now, I know that can sometimes be hard because I'm a very frustrating person, I'm told very often, but uh, parents can be frustrating. It does not go away as you get older. Sometimes it gets worse. I, I couldn't help chuckle when I came across Mark Twain this week. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the man around. But he said, when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> but mums and dads can be frustrating. We sometimes think we know better than they, but God is calling us to be humble, to accept instruction, and to honour them enough to do what we are asked. Obey as a way to say, I love Jesus, I want to please him, and as part of my desire to honour and please Christ, I will seek to honour and obey my parents. And of course, God has a word for parents, because right after telling the children to obey in Colossians 3, verse 20, which is when parents cut that out and put it on the fridge, Paul says in verse 21, and he addresses fathers in particular, fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So all the parents who cut out Colossians 3 verse 20 and sort of stick, stuck it in the kids' lunch boxes forgot to read verse 21. So do not be a source of discouragement in the home. Similarly, six, Ephesians 6 verse 4, right after quoting the fifth commandment, Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then all those Bible translations, which then the, all the men who are sitting around doing the translation then cha change that to mothers, do not provoke your children. But no, it says fathers. This is the original language. So if you want children to honour you, be sure to pursue their hearts with gospel words and gospel instruction. And there is a word here, for husbands and fathers, it is your spiritual responsibility to care for the spiritual health of your family. So be the first to pursue Bible study, to pray. Parents, practice patience, do not panic. Trust Jesus with your kids. I came across what Frederick Douglass, who was the American abolitionist, okay, my language is gone, abolitionist who said it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Which is powerful. That's our calling. Strive to be honourable in the ways you treat your children so your children will learn to honour you. Love them that they might love you. Love them with the gospel that they may love you for the gospel's sake. The fifth commandment deals with parents and children and there's a plenty there. But it is a blanket command. It covers many more relationships than the relationships of parents and children. It actually, it speaks to the way we relate to authority wherever we find it. And that is clear from the teaching of the Bible. And uh, let me commend to you the exposition of the Westminster larger catechism of the Ten Commandments because that's a remarkable treatment of the way God's laws applies to our lives and it's really good it's, it's treatment of the fifth commandment 
it shows us that there's a number of categories are here. It's not just parents and children. So civil authorities, the Bible refers to these, government officials, the tax man, <laughs> church leaders, even those who are older than us in society. See, we, so because we, we, we live in a day where I would say children are not taught to give up their seat for older people. But I was taught that. I was taught that that was respectful. And I still think that that is respectful. And I still think that we should teach our children to respect our elders. And I think that, 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 that that's an outworking of the teaching of the Bible. It's not being politically, it's not being politically incorrect, it's not being anything. It's just obeying God. The Bible makes the point, for example, when it calls civil powers and government officials, the Bible calls them parents. Isaiah 49, verse 23, kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. With their faces to the ground, they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Romans 13, verse 1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those who exist have been instituted by God therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment and so on for, this, for because of this you also pay taxes that is bang in the Bible I didn't just that wasn't added by a postscript that was, that's bang in the Bible for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honour to whom honour is owed. And HMRC owe me big time for that. But it's true. That is the language of the fifth commandment. Honour to whom honour is owed. It's interesting because you know, I'm very interested in politics and current affairs. And it's easy... <laughs> to speak about leaders in very, very extreme ways, especially when you disagree with them. What is your vocabulary? Do you mock your leaders? And what does it say about your heart and your posture and your attitude as you're called here to show honour to those set over you by God in his providence? Now, now we live in a time where I, which, is, which I've never... Um, live through when it comes down to political unrest really or you know the debate and a lot of that is called caused by social media I think because you know people can say whatever they like on social media and eventually that will come through to their lips but the level of political discourse in the current debates in our country should should just make us cry out for mercy there is no respect there is no honor there is mocking and sneering and that's even by the media pundits and the, and the talk show hosts, which shows us how far we have fallen from the honour of the fifth commandment, which calls us to show honour and respect to those in authority. And it has a way of desensitising us as Christian people to our duty, to where we live in a world where it's normal to show disrespect and dishonour. We're called upon to show honour 
even when we disagree. Parents and children are here, civil authorities are here, church leaders are covered here. In Galatians 4 verse 19, Paul addresses believers as my little children. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 11, Paul likens his ministry to the tender care of a mother. Even those older in society, like I said, are to be shown reverent, honor and reverence. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So long as obedience to men does not require us to break God's law, the fifth commandment that you see calls us to give reverence and honor and obedience in the Lord to everyone in a position of authority. It should be our default mode, dignity and prominence in our society. We are to show honor and respect. Whether politicians and government leaders, church pastors, mums and dads, even those who are older than us. It is a blanket commandment and I think it is a revolutionary one that calls us to treating one another in an age of cynicism and disrespect. How distinct a church would be if it embraced and lived out the fifth commandment before the eyes of a watching world. As Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? By your love for one another. By your gentleness with one another. By the way you honor one another. By the respect, charity, kindness. Honor stands out. I think I referred to it last week. I think... I, I can't remember honestly what sermon it was, but there was a sermon recently I preached, and that it, it, it came across. And the point I was making is that it should be where Christian, where where where, where employers long to hire Christians because they're because they're trustworthy, and that's part of our witness. Well, this is right in there with it because Christians should be respectful and honourable. What a witness we would give to the world of the revolutionary power of the gospel of Jesus Christ if we lived in obedience to the fifth commandment. What a, what a witness, what a testimony. So the fifth commandment is this bridge commandment. It's a bridge between honoring God and loving one another. And secondly, it is this blanket commandment. It covers all relationships of life. And finally, it is a beacon command. And that is to say the fifth commandment is like a beacon that guides ships into a safe harbor. And the fifth commandment directs our steps into the way of blessing. Notice the promise that is attached to the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Just, just remember for a moment where we've got to, where Israel was at this moment in salvation history. Where is Israel? is at the foot of Mount Sinai on their pilgrimage out of Egyptian bondage through the wilderness toward the promised land and into the land of Canaan, the land they did not yet possess. But God is saying, if you will live according to my law, I will give you not just the land for your own possession, but a long life with which to enjoy the land which I shall give you. Now there's a temptation at this point to spiritualize this promise altogether and to be sure this side of the cr cross the empty tomb some of this has to be adjusted in the sense of um, the meek shall inherit the earth 
The new creation is God's promise to us. And what we taste some of that heavenly reality, the new creation, even in the midst of a fallen world as we trust our Savior. And that is implied in the promise made out to us here. But if you go back to Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, where Paul is pressing the obligation of children to honor their parents in light of the fifth commandment expressly, you see him continuing to apply this promise. And he does not spiritualize it away, although he does slightly modify it. There is no longer a promise of a specific homeland for God's people, but he does say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There is a promise of general blessing in this life to those who live in conformity with God's law, in obedience to his standards. God promises that a happy life ordinarily will be found in an obedient life. The blessing promised ordinarily follows honourable human relationships, especially in the home, but also in the church and in society at large. Blessing and obedience are connected. The good life and the obedient life go together. Suffering, of course, into truths, to be sure. But God's promise stands nonetheless. And that doesn't necessarily mean always blessing in this life. But 1 Samuel 2, verse 30, the Lord declares, Far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And we know that there is a day coming when Christ will come again and everything will be made right. But Jesus obeyed his er earthly father and mother. If you say, I am a sinner, yes, I trust in Jesus, but I fail. I fail altogether to honor my father and mother as I ought. I fail to honor authority in whatever expression. I do not keep the fifth commandment hardly at all. I have not obeyed the fifth commandment. What hope is there for blessing for me? And in answer, we must say, the hope of blessing is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because no one, no one has kept the fifth commandment apart from who? Apart from who? If you remember how after being found in the temple as a young teenager, Jesus went down with his parents. Luke 2, verse 51, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Jesus obeyed his father and mother. In John 17, on the eve of his betrayal, Jesus prayed, Father, I glorified you on earth, having finished, accomplished the work you gave me to do. He obeyed his father in heaven. In the garden of Gethsemane, crushed and buckled under the weight of of our sin and guilt and the suffering that he knows our penalty of deserves, our sin deserves. He cried out for deliverance and was able to say, Abba, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He was obedient to his heavenly Father. And then on the cross, John 19, 26 and 27, the Savior's body and soul wrapped in agony he saw his mother. Do you remember? He saw his mother and the disciple John standing nearby. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. 
He wanted to make sure that John would look after and care for his mother after he was gone. He honored his mother right at the end. Hebrews 5 verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Philippians 2 verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus is the perfectly obedient son who honored his earthly parents and obeyed his heavenly father. He kept the fifth commandment perfectly and he obeyed on our behalf. His obedience is our refuge and our hiding place. The Lord Jesus perfectly fulfilled the fifth commandment so that our breach of it might be forgiven and we might, by his grace, begin to keep it more and more. When we trust in Jesus, the obedient son, our guilt of our slight and our meager obedience is blotted out and our feeble attempts to keep God's law as believers is made acceptable to God and a delight to his heart cleansed by the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So gospel obedience, gospel obedience, it's not perfect obedience, but it's obedience clinging to Jesus, receives the blessing promise, not as a matter of merit or as, or as wages, but as a gift of grace lavished on us. Not because we have deserved it, but because Jesus, who was the obedient son, has perfectly deserved it for us and pours it out upon us, which is the great motivation for obedience. Obedience to the law of God and an obedience in particular today to the fifth commandment. Jesus obeyed so that my disobedience might be forgiven and our imperfect obedience made acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God so that blessing despite our failures may nevertheless roll down upon us. Who would not strive to obey when such grace is promised to help and assist us and to follow even our weakest attempts in our master's service? So therefore, the fifth commandment is this bridge commandment, which bridges the first four commandments and the last six. It teaches us to honor God. And as we honor God, we honor our neighbors as ourselves. And the fifth commandment is a blanket commandment. It covers a wide range of human relationships and calls us to revolutionary radical humility. Because if you follow this commandment, you will stand out. You will be different. And it, it, and, uh, it calls us to radical humility in a culture of respect that cuts across the grain of our society. But what a witness people who live like this can be to our disrespectful age. And the fifth commandment is a beacon commandment. The path to obedience lies this way and points us to Jesus. May God help us. My friends, may God help us to be fifth commandment people. Would, would, you, would you pray that with me this week? That we would be fifth commandment people. That we'd be marked and characterized by honor and respect among ourselves, that we may show the world that is disrespectful and dishonorable and rude and unkind what the gospel does, that the gospel renovates and transforms and changes hearts, tongues, lives and homes 
to the glory and praise of King Jesus. For his name's sake, amen.